Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Good morning, Power Women in Insurance. This is Teresa Kitchens, your host, and today I have Carrie Wallace with me. Carrie is a financial expert in the insurance industry, helping people to achieve their dreams and be able to take care of their families and be able to live the life that we were all destined to be able to do so. So she is a power woman of epic proportions, and I am super glad to have her here today. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Teresa. I got to tell you, I am in awe of what you've done for women in our industry, and I'm super humbled to be a guest on your podcast. So hats off to you, my friends. Well, thank you. You know, and I've been seeing you everywhere. I know that you were with the the glove box, uh, the conference down there. I know you've been with David Crothers on his podcast. You've been here, you've been there, you've been with insurance guys, you've done so many different things. And I am so excited because when you and I had our little pre-talk before this, it was almost like a little 15 minute conversation turned into what, 45 minutes, I think something like that. It was just Awesome. So you kept I me great company, right? Yeah. I was on a, I think I was in the car. So you kept me great company for a period of time. I felt like I was talking to an old friend. So exactly. Absolutely. And we are, we are. So, and I love that because we do have very similar stories in the sense of kind of coming into the insurance industry, being able to really find a place that really set our souls on fire. And I really want to make sure everybody starts off by hearing your story and how you got into the insurance industry. Yeah. So Teresa, I'm like a lot of people, insurance found me. I didn't find insurance. It was, um, it was truly a gift to be quite honest with you. So a really quick background on me. I actually started my career thinking that I wanted to take companies public. I worked in a technology startup and was the ninth employee of a government contractor that had this cool technology idea that we were able to actually eventually take public, which was super fun. And I caught the bug. Like, I love that entrepreneurial spirit. I was surrounded by incredibly smart people. But my work was really, how do you make this business work so it's scalable, it's profitable, and it's actually sustainable? And um, that's what I love. So Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to do that over and over and over again. But, you know, life throws all kinds of things at you. And for me, it was a blessing. Um, I had two children and I decided to take a pretty long pause. I'm going to call it that. Um, where I worked just as hard. I just didn't collect a paycheck. And I was able to be with my girls um, through so many milestones and so many experiences that honestly, I know many people are not fortunate enough to be able to do, but our lives, we made the choices and we prioritized, um, you know, really raising my girls. So I did that. So insurance was my second career. And um, in my, in many ways, it allowed me to blend that passion for entrepreneurial spirit and understanding how to make a business really, really work well. I now get to do that with so many agencies across the country is pretty cool. So my entree into insurance was through um, the Ohio Association at the time. Their name was PIA of Ohio. Um, They went through the merger with Big Eye at the state level. I was um, part of that process. And one of the attractive things about me is I had M&A experience, so I could help through that M&A. 
And then OIA was born, which is, you know, an incredibly strong association in the association world. I was, I was fortunate enough to be on that team for 14 years. And um, I led creating consulting services as well as data analytics on that team. Um, again, really helping independent agents um, be able to work on their business, not just in their business and help providing really great insights to them in order to be able to do so. So I spend all of my time now consulting with independent insurance agencies, helping them know the value of their agency, plan for perpetuation, and really plan to grow their businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really important because I think, um, I know, I don't think, I know so many insurance agency owners are salespeople, right? We come into this industry as salespeople, most of us on the agency side, right? Especially we go into ownership. We're really good at it, right? We're really good at teams. We're really good at those types of things. How do you find, do you, which I find very interesting that we are kind of in a finance, in the financial industries, right? But yet at the same point, looking at our finances and looking at numbers and spreadsheets and looking at our agency from a um, analytical perspective, sometimes is very emotional. It's very hard. And I don't know if it's a female thing, a male thing. I know some people are very driven by spreadsheets and numbers and so forth. I think other people are very driven by who my warm fuzzies I get from my clients this month or my team or, hey, it's boss's day. Who bought me ice cream, right? So tell me what you found as far as agency uh, participants, owners, what is one of their biggest roadblocks mentally to be able to build a healthy relation, uh, healthy business financially? So it, I've seen the, a very, very wide variety. I've seen yeah. incredible business people with finance backgrounds that have found their way to agency owner. Um, that is few and far between, though, I would tell you. What you describe is what I what I encounter most often. An outgoing, incredible salesperson grew their book of business, found their way to ownership. And really, if you if you get right down to it, they really have found their way um, not through really great planning, but through great sales, through yeah. great relationships, through great um, you know, they have vision. There's no two ways around that. But getting that vision to a plan, I think in many cases, but you know, agency owners are intimidated by financials. It's yeah. not their forte. There's no formal training when you become an agency owner and someone says, hey, here's how to read a financial statement. Here's what you should be thinking about with budgeting. Here's how you put together a forecast. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So oftentimes it's intimidating. And you know, when I come in, I, I have to ask for a lot of information and it it's a, it's an uncomfortable situation. I think many agency owners um, really need that level of trust to be able to open mm -hmm. up and say, someone else is going to be looking at this with an eye towards running my agency like a business. Am I okay with that? And I, I'll tell you, I am here to help independent agents make their agency the best that it can be. I'm not here mm -hmm. to say this is the only way to do it. And you have to drive towards these numbers and these benchmarks because it looks and feels different in every single agency. I like to think I get to know them, their culture, the way they want to run their agency and what their goals are. And we drive to that instead. Mm -hmm. So, but it's a, it's an uncomfortable and intimidating just when you start using financial words. Yeah. You know, 
And here's what's funny. Like you guys speak a different language than I do. It took me a long time to understand all the acronyms inside insurance, right? <laughs> like, acronyms. I mean, it's just almost like you got to walk around the dictionary, like at the, you know, okay, what is that one? Okay, hold on. Wait till I get through that conference. You know, I mean, it's just, it's exhausting. I actually had a conversation with a client the other day and she was like, I could never do insurance because I can't keep up with all your acronyms. I'm like, I get it, you know, but yeah. I agree. And, and I mean, financial has its own set of acronyms, right? Yep. So I'm super cognizant of that. And, and if someone looks like, you know, oh God, I didn't know that. And I should have known that I tell them, well, there's about 27 acronyms in insurance that I had to be that person that raised my hand and said, I don't know what you people are speaking about. You need to explain that to me. So, you know, I think there's also a, a level of, you know, just humility that you say, hey, I don't know the things that you know about coverage. I, I will mm -hmm. tell you, one of the things I love about this industry is Agency owners have to know a lot about other businesses to underwrite the risk and yeah. to cover the risk. I mean, some of the some of the knowledge that I've heard come out of an independent insurance agency owner or producer about their clients is mind boggling. I view my job the same way. I get to learn about each agency that has different niches, different focuses, different um, you know, some have a financial arm, some have a real estate arm, some have, some are just straight up independent insurance agents. They're all different. And it's yeah. really, it's, it's, it's super exciting for me to get to know some pretty diverse businesses. So for me to think they're one size fits all would be, would be ridiculous. Right. You know? Right. Well, I remember when my husband and I first started dating and you're going to laugh. Um, my husband, and I first started dating, he has his MBA. And he um, sells metal in the metals industry, right? Like aluminum, you know, steel, carpet, whatever. Anyway, and he was always like, where's your spreadsheets? Do you know your numbers? Do you do 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 And I was always like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. And he was like, no, you're not good. We have to be able to do it. And I mean, it was honestly an emotional hurdle, even in our relationship, for me to be truly honest about my numbers, truly honest about my finances, truly honest about my sales, truly honest about my retention, truly honest about my blah, 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 blah. And even with somebody that was very close to me at that time, at that point, we weren't married, but, um, you know, somebody who was very much in that space. And to him, he'd always work in the corporate world. So the corporate world, numbers, the numbers, right? You're not that attached to them because they're not really your numbers. They're the company's numbers, right? They're, you know, your department, but there's also Joe's department and Sally's department and, you know, all these different people's departments that go together to make these numbers. Whereas when you're working with agency owners, a lot of us feel like it's our baby. A lot of us feel like we started this from scratch. It's almost like, you know, we go into a, parent-teacher conference almost, you know, and somebody's telling us that our kid's just not performing, but they need to find a really nice way to say, you know, your kid bit somebody or whatever. I mean, you know, to me, it's almost like we want to make sure we don't hear those tough things about our business. And I think sometimes as long as we make numbers, like we make sales numbers or we make bottom line revenues, we make payroll, right? Sometimes it's really, hey, these weren't easy, but it's convenient, to move on to the next sale, to move on to the next accord form and not necessarily go look at profit and loss for the year, right? I mean, how do you help insurance agency owners with that journey? Because I know for me, it was a long journey. Like even, 
I mean, true, true honesty here. When my husband and I met, I was two years behind on my tax returns. I mean, you know, I just, I didn't want to look at them. I didn't want to look at my numbers. I didn't want to look at the, what the government felt about them. And I didn't want to actually look at them. And he helped me out through all that. That was actually a stipulation to date him. It was really kind of funny, but um, it was kind of one of those things where I had a journey to go through mentally and emotionally. How do you help agencies to get through that process? Is it easier for them to delegate it, maybe hire it out? But then again, that's an extra expense. I mean, how do you help them through that journey of knowing and embracing what a healthy agency looks like? Yeah, it's a great question. So typically when I engage with an agency, we do go through a valuation process, but there's been several, there's several agencies this week that I engaged with that aren't ready for that, but they want to understand the benchmarks. So I tried to use less numbers and more words, you know, mm. with salespeople, they're so much better with words. So I try to get as many, as much information from them as possible. I organize their numbers for them and then be able to talk to what do these benchmarks mean? Where are you above the benchmark? Where are you below the benchmark? And how do those benchmarks work together? And what I mean by that is we all know our revenue number. If I walked up to any agency owner today, they're going to know what their premium volume is and what their revenue is. About two might be able to tell me what their profitability or EBITDA is. So my job is to connect those things together. So you're making all these decisions in your agency. You're hiring people. You're using technology. You're you're trying new marketing things. You might have partnership arrangements. Um, you have a place. You don't have a place. Your people work remote. They don't work remote. Like all those are decisions that drives to the overall performance of your agency. So I'm able to help really walk through, look, here's what, here's the decisions you've made. And it's actually driving these results. Here's some opportunities or things that I've seen in other agencies that you might want to consider. I also can give frame of reference. So we all watch the headlines and we see what happens to the $10 million agency that sold or the $5 million agency that sold. I think there's great comfort in someone coming and saying, did you know the average agency your size? This is what it looks like. And mm. this is how you get from one stage to the other. Someone who's growing, this is what that looks like versus just sending the benchmarks, there's no context and it's just a page of numbers and you really won't know what it means. So my strategy is take the numbers, turn it into a story and then understand what they want to do and give them ideas on how to do it. Um, you know, here's, here's the other thing. I've not yet met an agency owner that doesn't have an incredibly like very full life and very great career in this industry. They're doing okay. I'm I'm looking for ways to say, how do we go from okay to making those crazy things happen inside your agency if it's what you want to do? Mm. If you don't want to do that, be okay with where you are and let's tighten it up so when you want to exit or when you want to transition, it is healthy enough to hand it to someone else or to transition it in a way that you can feel super proud about that thing that you've um, that you've built. I, I mean, I will tell you, Teresa, so often there's this sigh of relief because I'm able to point out the strengths in their agency. I'm able to say, look at the decisions you've made, but here's some other ideas. 
it's not a, you know, you're failing everywhere kind of conversation. Right. I mean, and listen, there's some agencies that their multiple is nowhere near what you would see in the headlines, but now they know why. And right. they can make the decision if they want to have their agency pay them now or have their agency pay them later. And that's a conversation that's okay. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I try to use words, no numbers, just words. You yeah. Know? So you mentioned something that I think is, um, when I talk to a lot of insurance agencies, and I, and I did, in full disclosure, I bought an agency about a year and a half ago. So this number is not foreign to me at this point, but it was extremely foreign to me at this other time, right? And it's something that I've mentioned, talked to other insurance agencies about. We don't really know what that means. You mentioned a term EBITDA. EBITDA is not something that runs around in the insurance world, right? Unless we're looking to sell or unless we're looking to take out a loan or, or, or do something in the financial world. Tell us what, what the benefit is to being able to orchestrate our business to where we have a EBITDA that is a good EBITDA. And I'm going to leave the number. I'm going to leave like the concept of what that looks like to you so you could go ahead and explain it. But tell me as an insurance agency owner why that's important to me. So um, everybody knows their revenue. Everybody knows their premium volume. EBITDA is the is in a measure of any business of what their true profitability is. And so what I mean by that is, you know, the top line, you know, that revenue piece, all those expenses, you probably can get me in the ballpark of how much you spend on um, payroll, how much you spend for your building, how much you, because sometimes you're paying yourself for your building. So that's a number you're going to know, but you might not think about it holistically. How much do I spend inside my agency? Even as the difference between your revenue and your expenses that are related to operating your business. You could also have expenses like depreciation, non-cash things running through your financial statement that really isn't a measurement of what it takes to run your business. So EBITDA is truly wants to know what's the revenue, what are the expenses to run your business to get to the true profitability and performance from a profitability standpoint of that agency. If you know the number and the percentage, you can get a really good idea of what the value of your agency is. Um, You can get in the ballpark. There's a lot of risks that go into what that multiple is, but I want to break the thinking of my top line revenue times something is the value of my business. And that's what a lot of agency owners kind of cling to, isn't it? Yeah, of course. It's been it's been the standard for years. Yeah. And for a book of business, I'd still tell you that's that's not a bad way to think for a book, but for the whole agency, for the staff for the building to run that business, it's a dangerous way to talk about your agency. If you're a well-run agency, you do not want to talk in multiples of revenue. You want to talk about multiples of EBITDA because you're going to get a higher end number by doing that. If you're running a very profitable and a business that's growing, it, it behooves you to know your EBITDA. So it really is What's the performance from a profitability standpoint? And that's that's really all that number is. I know everybody's scary. The, the acronym actually stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And that interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization are all the non-operational things that are added back to make sure that we get to that true profitability. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So, so what, is a, what is a good EBITDA number? Because I know like when I was purchasing the agency that I purchased, they took together my agency, the other agency, they looked at kind of the profit level and they wanted me to be able to get a 1.2 or above. I think that was kind of the, the goal for where they were. Now it was a SBA loan. That's what we did. But what is, um, and I know it's different for everybody, right? Everybody has different goals, right? Um, and I think anything, I mean, help me, help me if I'm wrong, anything below like a one is you're going in the hole almost a little bit. And is it like one pretty much you're breaking even? So they want yep. to see something above a one, like 1.2, 1.5, 1.3, 2, whatever. So they're, what they're have talking a true profitability level, right? Yeah. So basically that 1.2, what they were telling you is you have to cover your expenses 1.25 times in order to okay. be eligible for a loan. Okay. Um, EBITDA is actually a percentage of your revenue. So it's saying of my business, how much of my resources, how much of my revenue am I allocating to all these different expenses? And at the end, what's left as a profit? So when I talk about a percentage of EBITDA, a 30%. So 70% goes to running your agency, 30% is profit at the end. That's super strong. Um, The average agency that I valued last year, you know, I, I, I worked with 65 agencies last year, which was incredible for me. It was That's awesome. so much 65 fun. agencies. Wow. And it's super fun. And anyway, so um, for those agencies, they were as small as, you know, a $400,000 agency to a $5.5 million agency. Mm-hmm. Their EBITDA, the way they're operating, averaged 17%. When you go through a valuation process, they do much like what the process was where they looked at your profit and loss. They found the opportunity for profit. So things that they could take out of your expenses as a synergy, bringing those two agencies together to get to what the true profitability would be for that business to operate. So they were getting to what's reasonable. Once we put these two together, what will that look like? So that's part of the process when I value an agency. I look for what's the industry standard? What are you allocating there? What's reasonable to be allocated in that area? And make sure that we get you to the right profitability that the reasonable person would expect this agency to operate at. And typically, I get anywhere between 25 and 30 if if I can. It depends on how the agencies operate it. Like it, you know, some they it's really tough to move from a two percent EBITDA to a thirty percent. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's it's not even feasible. So <laughs> that makes sense, right? No, totally, absolutely. So, do you help them once you do determine that EBITDA to have that conversation on maybe improvements that they can make, maybe areas of profitability that they might be able to scale, or you know, because I'm I'm sure how many people come to you who are really truly looking at selling or are they just really because honestly when we look at profit profit to me 
is the blood of an agency. It is what keeps everything moving. It's what keeps everything healthy. It's sure. the, it has to run through every section of the business to make it healthy. It's what helps me sleep at night. If I, if my profit is, if my bank account is below a certain amount, and I say this all the time on this podcast, if my bank account is below a certain level, I won't sleep at night. I just won't. I'll be like going through my spare bedrooms, getting ready to sell clothes or something. I mean, I will just like eat off my left arm. I'll be like, no, we cannot go out for dinner. I might have to invest more in the business. You know, I mean, I, I just can't do it. And I'm up on a regular basis anyway, because I'm just weird. Um, but at the same point, if I don't have certain amounts of threshold in my accounts, I will, I worry because I am responsible that if my team gives me their time, talents, and treasures by being able to serve our business, it's my responsibility to make sure that the time, talents, and treasures of the agency are honoring their investment. And I feel very, very strong about that. How do you, um, how do you, I mean, because I mean, there's all sorts of books out there that people talk about profitability of an agency and so forth. How do you get an agency to that point? And are most of your clients coming to you ready to get ready to sell? Or they just really want to be comfortable in their own skin of their agency? It's a great question. So I've been doing I've been doing valuations for about five years now. And at the beginning, about 95% of the agencies wanted to transition internally and plan for it. This past year, I, I literally, I, I tracked the reason why they contacted me for every single person. Yeah. 75% wanted to plan for an internal transition. They, they have someone in mind and they truly, that's, that would be success in their mind if they're able to transition their agency internally. About 12% were ready to sell. And literally right. like, I want a value of my agency so I can sell on this date. How do I get my value? How do I get my profitability up as much? And the middle was, I want a business plan. I want a baseline. I know I need to do this. I want to, I want to know where I am so I can actually start to plan. Or they wanted to do something like hire a producer and they felt this crunch that they couldn't. And that's the other thing. Like you're able to find profitability and opportunities to invest in other things. Mm. So a few were like, I'd love to invest in technology. How do I go about doing that? Well, when you go through the process and you see what the benchmarks are and you see that you know, you're four times the amount that the average person is spending in rent. Like right. maybe we should rethink what we're doing there. Maybe you had no idea that that's not the going rate. Right. Or the most common is their, their compensation for their people is causing them to have no other resources to invest in the agency. Yeah. And if that happens, what's causing that? Like what part of compensation is causing that or which, which category? Because I get as I get as granular as the op, the owner of the agency should be making this in this range. The producer should be making this, and the service should cost you this. And if it's blended, we'll we'll adjust and make sure that it's appropriate. But you can see really quickly um, that's that's always the largest expense inside an agency, and the one that's so unknown. I mean, some pay salaries, some are 100% commission, yeah. there's bonuses, there's all kinds of things. But it's really about how do I allocate my resources to do what I want to do? And that's the that's the beautiful thing about going through this. You now are able to see it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And I think, but I think it's also super important for us. 
And I love it that you're, you're, you're saying that people are coming to you kind of midstream, right, to prepare for their future. And I think it's really important as, and I'm, I'm just going to talk as an entrepreneur, okay? I mean, the podcast is for everybody, right, in the insurance industry. But as an entrepreneur, I want a life. I don't want to be you know, chained to my desk all the time. I don't want to be chained even, I mean, and I mean, people are like, oh, I'm out and about, I'm connecting with people to the chamber and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, but you're still working when you're doing that to a large degree. And how many people are not taking a vacation, right? I mean, shout out to Linda Fisher. If you know Linda Fisher, man, I mean, if you follow her on Facebook, she was in Hawaii for multiple weeks, I think like a month almost, like two different trips or whatever. Now I know she just posted online that she's got a Jamaica trip planned and that is, I'm not saying I want to be gone all the time, but what I want to do is I want a life, right? I want to be able to see the world. I want to be able to, to go. I want to sit on a beach. I want to relax. I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to be able to get to the gym. I want to be able to do self-love, right? To where I can go to the gym and come into the office where I don't feel like I have to wake up and go to the office and I've come home and I'm exhausted. I fall asleep on the couch and, you know, and, and I'm angry with people or whatever. I think that profit is a really big part of that conversation as well. And I really hope that people in that entrepreneurial space, and even as a you know, I know that there are some um, salespeople who have ownership and equity in their book, and we can honor that as agency owners if we offer that and run a profitable business that preserves our team members' equity that they're blood, sweat, and tearing for as well. And um, I'm excited to hear that some agencies are really taking that step forward for health, not just so that they can sell when they're 65 and walk yep. out the door, but it's also about their team. Not only not only planning, but also to put a perpetuation plan in place so they can sleep at night. I mean, yeah. you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but I hate getting the phone call that someone didn't plan. Now their agency is sitting there like, what do we do now? We don't even know the value of this thing. We don't know how to transition. We don't know who it's transitioning to. Mm. And it sits there in limbo while all the while losing business. Yeah. You know, things aren't getting done. Now, all of a sudden that value is going down because there was no plan in place. So by getting a valuation, you know what life insurance to put in place, you know what the asset is in order to start planning for it. And if you're a future agency owner, hats off, you now know what you're going to prepare for if you actually want to own that agency at some point. You know, as an industry, we don't do a really good job saying, hey, if you want to be an owner, here's the kind of pain or here's the kind of commitment you need to make financially, personally, in order to run this business. That now makes that pathway so much clearer yeah. and you can start working and preparing for it. So I agree with you. I, I was just talking to an agency owner this morning and he was saying some of the same things you did where, you know, he's, he's grown his agency. He runs a beautiful agency, honestly, but it's not fun because he feels chained to the agency. Mm -hmm. So part of our work together is freeing up some resources mm -hmm. to, um, you know, take some of that burden that he just kept piling on to himself as an agency owner. He's going to transition in, in many years, you know, he is a nice runway, but we need to set that future owner up for success to not have that huge burden, but also make the agency be able to withstand it and be able to be paid appropriate price for his agency. That's the cool work I get to do, which yeah. is really nice. And again, hopefully everybody breathes a sigh of relief once we have that model built and it's working, you know, it helps really put those decisions 
in in um, in perspective for them. So how long does a, a basic evaluation take? I mean, we're not, I know that it's a, it's a journey from that process, right? So, but the initial boots on the ground work, right? That does the initial um, health evaluation, right? Where you go in for your checkup, right? How long and, and how much of an investment time, yep. talents, because agency owners are busy, right? We're going 18 million different directions. We always sit back and say, I don't have time for that, right? Yep. So what, if somebody comes to you, what do you usually lay out to expect the process to look like before you can even get to the point where you say, okay, let's start moving forward from this moment. Where do you get to kind of that ground zero with agency owners? Yep. So the process looks like this, and I'll talk a little bit about the time commitment is it depends on how you run your agency. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm pretty clear about that when someone talks. So when an agency owner reaches out to me, they've heard me somewhere or they've you know, found my name somehow, we do a 30 minute consultation and I talk to them about their agency. I find out, you know, what's their size, what's their staff look like. I, you know, we spend 30 minutes together and I get as much information as I possibly can. They say they want to move forward. They get a proposal and I give them the data sheet of all the things I need. So that's where you said time wise. This is where there's a there's a, you know, it can vary by agency. So an agency that does monthly financials that um, reconciles their carrier um, reports that they get that has an agency management system should be able to capture all of the information I'm looking for pretty quickly, because I asked for five years of financials, your tax returns, your carrier reports for your top five carriers. And then the rest of it is really book of business reports. I want to see your book of business by line of business. What is your personal lines, commercial lines, niche, uh, life and health split for the entire agency? I want to see what it's split by producer, um, If you how you have that categorized in your system. And then I'd like to see Um, what it is by carrier as well. What is your concentration with your carrier? So if you have a strong agency management system that you can run by carrier, by producer, and then overall, super easy to get that information. Then I ask you for things like what's your retention and what is your loss? Those are the great ones that people struggle with because they can tell me by carrier, but not by agency. So I typically do some calculations to help them get to that. Um, And then I want your staff listing. I need to know everyone on your staff, what their compensation is, what their roles are. Um, That's the bulk of the information that I need. There's additional, if there's there's well-defined niches inside an agency, I'll go deeper into that area. Um, And then I'll want to know what technology you use. But I get that when I'm interviewing you. I'm taking notes, Uh writing all that down. So if you run monthly financials and you use an agency management system that gets you a strong book of business report, it should not be a heavy lift. Some agency owners- data too. So for people who are listening, I really want to make sure maybe if we, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you, where do people start with you? But I want to think about too, if I want to take a step back as an agency owner and say, if I'm preparing to work for you with you, I need to make sure that, I mean, th- there's a huge concept going on around in our industry right now about dirty data, right? Yep. Downloads yep. that don't process correctly. Um, you know, if the, if the team members for non-standard business or may or may not be clicking that button for losses or tracking the, the, new, the new this, that, or the other, right? 
whether or not things are categorized correctly, whether or not we're really taking into consideration all of our percentages of, uh, you know, uh, uh, sales and, um, and income, you know, yeah. those types of things. Um, do you find that a lot of agencies have to do part of that before they can really engage with you? It's not that they have to do that. The, the worst situation is they don't have a system at all. And so they're literally looking through files, trying to give me what their top 10 accounts are or what they're oh, yeah. like. That's right. that's the worst. Um, I would tell you that through my process, it becomes very apparent some of the areas that are weak. For instance, book a business by producer and they say that person hasn't been here in 10 years, but we've never changed it in our system. And honestly, I know that this all goes to so and so. And then I ask a couple more questions like, oh, well, except for that. And except for this. So yeah, there's always except for, right? Sure. And so, you know, that if it's a big life and health um, agency or there's a large life and health, we all know our systems do not handle that well. So pulling that out because the predictability of the renewals of life and health are far different than PNC. And yeah. I need to know that. So there's, there's nuances depending on the agency, but I will tell you, it's not an inhibitor to do the work. It just might not be as clean and, um, and easy for you to get your hands on. So once they get me the data, it's typically three weeks and there's probably two conversations that we have before I give you the final report. So you give me the information, I put it into my format, I then make sure I understand what's in your financials. So you might be classifying something completely different than what the benchmarks are. I'll ask you some clarifying questions, maybe ask for the detail inside some of your areas to make sure I'm allocating it towards the right benchmark using industry standards. I'll also ask for why did the trend change in something? Is it something that's going to continue? Um, I'll ask any of your carrier relationships. Has anything changed that I wouldn't expect this trend, trend to continue? So that's about a 40 to 45 minute conversation once, maybe twice, depending on the agency. And then I spend an hour going through the report page by page, focused on the, honestly, I'll tell you, the actual valuation number is the least valuable thing in that report. It really mm -hmm. is. Here's where you perform, you outperformed. Here's where there's areas that you can minimize your risk and do so pretty quickly uh, and really increase the value of your agency. Okay. So nice. I spend way more time on that than I do that this is your number. I will tell you, I put the number on the first page so they're not flipping to the back to find it. Um, <laughs> because people are probably as mentally, that's, you know, a yeah. trigger for them, but then they can relax, right? And then, they yeah, can and then we get past all of that. Yeah. And we say, okay, but what's the health of the business and what can I do with what you're telling me? That's where I spend 90% of the conversation. So I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Well, it's Carrie, fun. you have been a wealth of knowledge today, as always. And I love talking to you. And it's just something that I need to get really a little bit deeper in as I try to be able to grow, purchase agencies, do all this. So if people like me want to be able to work directly with you, how would they be able to reach out to you and connect? Well, I'm definitely all over LinkedIn. That's why you know everywhere that I am. But to, <laughs> I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. But you can, I also have a website. Um, my business is called Agency Focus. So my website is www.agency-focus.com. Or you can email me directly at Carrie, which is C-A-R-E-Y at agency-focus.com. 
Excellent. Carrie, yeah. you've been a pleasure today. I would love to have you on again a little bit later on at some other time to kind of dig a little deeper. I think that it's a journey for people to be able to be ready for this conversation. And it's so important for everybody to be ready for it at some point in their career so that they can get out of their career and their business, what it is that they're really looking for. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I, I welcome any future conversations, of course. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, everybody, this has been another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast with Carrie Wallace. We do represent another amazing woman every single Wednesday. Check us out on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you stream your local podcasts. And make sure that you subscribe. Give us a review. Tell other people about us because that's how we're going to be able to reach out and make a better, bigger impact in our community. Everybody, I'll talk to you next week. Have a great day.